0: Those who know me well know that I definitely had an emo music phase. For those of you who do not know what the wonders that is emo music, it is a rock genre that came around the mid-90s, early 2000s, that was defined by its overly emotional music. Bands like Promise Ring and Sunday Day Real Estate leads to bands like My Chemical Romance and Dashboard Confessional. I make this confession because as I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of the lyrics from a Christian emo-adjacent band, Brave Saint Saturn. Now to give you a quick history of the band, Brave Saint Saturn was a side project of the frontman of the greatest Christian ska band ever, Five Iron Frenzy. He wanted to make a three-album project that emulated a space journey, where in the first album they blast off, in the second album they get lost, but at the very end they see the light and then figure out how they're going to make their way home. And on the third album is their homecoming. For the lead singer, this emulated the Christian journey. We blast off into life but at some point get lost and well we see a light and figure out who we are and then we come home. This song came to me uh, the song that came to me is a song that uh, comes at the very end of their second album and serves as their song when they see the light for the first time and are able to know where they are. The lyrics from a song called Daylight it sets up this moment. So I'm going to read to you the lyrics now. Did you hear the news today? I'm not coming home. No. I wished it all away i felt so alone and the darkness crept its way like stars we know will die too soon there is never any sunrise here in the shadows of eclipsing moons crawling on a type rope, the bravest thing i have is hope daylight save me daylight save me tonight tonight i know that this is a weird and roundabout way to start a sermon and very very awkward for me to read song lyrics and not shout them at the top of my lungs, but I promise you, the payoff will be worth it. You just have to trust me. Advent starts the new lectionary year for us. This year, we find ourselves at the beginning of Advent, but really at the end, Advent begins in a very similar to the classic classic Quentin Tarantino movie, Pulp Fiction. We begin at the end and are left to figure out what led us to this situation. And so it is the way with Advent as well. But when we, cause when we usually think of Advent, we think of the swaddled baby on Mary's lap who is resting, oxes lowing. But no, Advent begins at the end of time. We begin at the second coming. This is today's scriptures, Matthew's 24, 36-44, and I'm reading out the Common English Bible. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son, only the Father knows. As it is in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the human one. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving away in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the human one will be like that. At that time, there will be two men in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, stay alert. You do not know what day the Lord is coming, but you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you should also be prepared, because the human one will come at a time you don't know. This is the word of the Lord. Now at the beginning of the epistles, our reading from the epistles is from Romans 13, through 14. Once again, reading out the Common English Bible. As you do all of this, you know what time it is. The hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first had faith. The night is almost over, the day is near, so let's get rid of the actions that belong to the darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let's behave appropriately as people who live in the day, not partying and getting drunk, not sleeping around in, in obscene behavior, not fighting in obsessions. Instead, dress yourself as the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, dress yourself the Lord Jesus Christ and don't plan to indulge your selfish desires. This is the word of the Lord. Advent is a yearly reminder that we as Christians, even though we know the end, we're still waiting for it. We're still waiting for Christ to come. The problem comes, well, the problem that we always have is we really don't know what to do while we're waiting. And Advent serves as both a reminder to us of what came so that we know what we're supposed to do while waiting for Christ to return. And Lord, oh Lord, sometimes I pray that Christ's return is coming sooner than later. I don't know if it is just me growing older, but it seems harder and harder to hold on to hope. And maybe you feel that way too. Doesn't the world seem to be getting a little heavy? A little hopeless? We turn on our TVs and we see our politics becoming more vile and corrupt. We see nations at war with each other. We see our friends, perhaps even ourselves, riddled with school debts, medical debts, and even emotional weights. It just feels so heavy. And really the words from Scripture are not helping. We hear from Jesus talking about the genocide of humanity through the story of Noah's about this we through the story of Noah, we hear this weird mass disappearance of people about thieves breaking in and stealing our valuables, it's not very hopeful at all. And we have to ask ourselves, when did Jesus become such a downer? Doesn't he know that it's actually officially Christmas time after all? But usually in a serious note, when Jesus speaks this harshly, it's, a, it's harshness serves as well as Paul says, a wake up call. The larger context of what, Pete, what Jesus is speaking about is well, People wanted to know when Jesus was coming back so that they knew that they could be at the right place at the right time. They wanted to be caught doing the right thing. And as a husband, I probably know this sentiment all too well. I have doing my chores at the very last minute down to an art, as long as I actually know when my wife is coming home, because it's just about getting it done right in time, right? And this is what Jesus is speaking to is that the people are only interested in following Jesus when it counts, when they know that he's coming back so they can be prepared. They're content in maybe doing the wrong thing as long as they get to know when they need to stop so that they won't get caught. And I think this speaks a lot to a lot of us because I know that it speaks to me as an individual. How many times in my own walk with Christ where I've said just this little sin, this little death, I will repent of it in the morning." How many times have I knowingly sinned because, well, I knew I could get away with it because it's not like Jesus is returning tomorrow. This is what Jesus is speaking to. He is speaking uh, to this kind of sin bargaining that we sometimes do with ourselves, both as individuals, that works its way out as the community, and sometimes even us as humanity. We're willing to do the little evil things because we do not think Christ will return now and find us lacking. When I was a youth leader, I heard this so many times. I want to do this now before I have to settle down. And when I settle down, that's when I will get serious about this Jesus stuff. And if I was honest with myself, I've probably thought that sometimes too. Now I want to speak something quickly because there's actually a very good tension that was happening right now when Jesus was talking to the community that Matthew was writing to. See, the community, the Matthew gospel, was primarily for Jews. That's what Matthew was primarily writing this gospel towards. And so all of the teachings of Jesus have kind of a slant towards a Jewish audience. And when Jesus is acknowledging acknowledging this story here specifically, he's actually also advocating for grace in this situation because the Matthewan Jewish community really was saying, like, pointing out all the sins of everybody around them. They thought that they were so perfect that they were the ones who were the chosen ones who were going to make it into heaven. And what Jesus is saying is like, no, all of us sin. You're just hiding it a little bit better than the others, but you don't know when I'm coming back. So there is this sentiment here that all of us are falling short the glory of God. But there's grace. And I want to speak a little moment of grace into this sentiment because this sentiment has been used to burden God's people and the church for a very long time. Do not hear what I am not saying. I believe we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And yes, sometimes we will choose sin over doing what God has called us to do, but we also have grace. We are not called to whip and flay ourselves over our sin, but rather take that burden, that sin burden off, and lay it down at the feet of Christ and take upon his burden for it is light. We are called to live as Christ has called us to live, as best as we can at all times. To not let our sin cause us to falter, but rather to stay on the path that God has put before us. Unlike the days of Noah, when people were choosing to continue in their sin, they were choosing the life of sin. Not just a moment, but a life. That is what Christ is warning us about. To not necessarily to pay attention to what we're choosing as our life, not at the moments. Grace for the moment, so that we may repent from the life of sin. I think this is so much important for us this morning because I've heard this so many times the burden of God's people. God gives us a grace for the moments of our lives, as Christ calls us to repent from the life of sin. And we know this. We know this because God uses even the sign of the rainbow, that he's not going to wipe out humanity again because that is a sign of grace. We know this because the words of Paul, who continues on in another letter, saying, saying, sh- should we continue to live in sin so that grace may increase? By no means. And as a Wesleyan, we believe, and we call this prevenient grace, the grace that goes before us, this grace that, that goes before us so that even in that moment of sin, we're able to recognize sin and then repent of it and choose Christ. And from this gospel reading in Matthew, in this interpretation where Jesus is giving us this warning, we move into the epistle reading that I read earlier that Paul is telling us to wake up from sleep, that deep sleep of sin, and be present to what God is calling to us now and what God is calling us out of. God does not want us to stay in a life of sin, rather to live the life that God has planned for us to. Wake up out of our own graves and walk into that resurrected life. And Paul echoes what Christ is telling us, that now is the time. Do not wait. Do not think that I can repent of this life tomorrow because we do not know when Christ will return. Do not think that there will always be more time because as we know, we don't know. Wake up, O sleeper for daylight has come. I know that I needed that so many times in my life, that reminder to wake up from the sin of sleep, from that daily life, the grind that we put upon ourselves, that this life can just kind of push us into this sleepwalking state to say, wake up for daylight has come. And now you may ask yourself, Jerry, why are you talking about all this? It's Christmas time. Why are you being a downer like Jesus was? Don't you know that it's Christmas time after all? Well, the first week of Advent, we light the hope candle because we want to all remind ourselves that we have hope, that our story is not over, that though we may be sleepwalking, we can still wake up. And no matter how we feel, listen to me, church, no matter how overwhelmed or tired, our story is not over. Our story actually has been woven into the cosmic Christ story. And that end, that end is still to come. As we read in the gospel, Christ, the Son of Man, the human man, he came to bring us hope. He came once in the midst of our own suffering. And as humanity, he gave us that hope that he will come again. Christ has lived, Christ has died. Christ will come again. And because of that, we need to remain hopeful that despite our biggest failures, there's still our hope in Him who is to come. And as we approach the celebration of His birth, we do so as a remembrance of those who helped the hope before us to inspire us to hold hope now. We look to those who waited in darkness for the light to come, those who wandered the deserts, who were held in captivity, those who were warred upon. We read their stories to encourage us now as we wait in the dark. And what shall we do while we wait in the dark? I encourage, I encourage us this, this day to live as a light because we actually do have a great benefit uh, unlike those who waited the first time Because we know the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We know how to emulate the light because it has been shown to us. And now we hold on to that hope to be that light in the darkness. We need to breathe in the stories of Christ, the teachings of Christ, so that when we exhale, we exhale the light that God has given us. When we walk in the darkness of this world, when we walk into that hopeless valley of life, when we start that sleepwalking state, we can remind each other, That there is a new hope to hold on to. And when we hold on to that hope, we can remind the rest of the world that there has been a hope that came. And a hope that is going to come again. To be able to speak, to sing our songs, to pray into this world. Wake up, O sleeper, for daylight has come. And you know that song in the reference to the very beginning of my sermon, in the middle of it, there's this fake radio call that they have with mission control where they're finally able to see the light. And after being lost in this darkness for so long and being now able to see the lights that they know that they're able to be able to make it through, the singer breaks out with this hopeful bridge. And I want to forewarn you, that this lyrical content is peak, peak, quintessential Christian emo music. Jesus Christ, light of the world, you never did forget me. And when I bled in darkness, you held me, still held me. When desperate nights I cursed you, you loved me, still loved me. Jesus Christ, you dried the tears, you break my heart of stone. Your words are life, come marrow through the darkness to the bone. A heart of flesh you, save, you gave me, only you can save me. And then it says, Jesus Christ, I'm coming home. This was such hope. Spoke to a young Jerry who was lost in this world, looking for something to hold on to. I was sleepwalking through life, dealing with some of the hardest things that I've ever had to deal with. And there was a light that broke through a light very similar to the light of a candle telling me that there is a hope to hold on to. And it can be hard sometimes to hold on to this hope as a Christian and as a believer, even me as a professional Christian. This is what I do people. It can be hard to hold on to that hope. But I constantly try to remind myself and Advent serves as such a good reminder to me that we have a hope in Christ. That he once broke into this world to save us. And he is going to do that again. And until that time comes, we as a people need to be that people of hope to those around us. That we are the people who are called to bear that light to our neighbors, to our community, to our country, and to this world. To be that light. To show this world that though they may feel lost in the darkness. Though they may feel like the flood of Noah is overtaking them. That they may be walking in some darkness. Valley, there is still time for the bravery of hope. We light this candle of hope to remind ourselves that every year that we have a hope that Christ will return, and in time it is our choice to live the life that God has placed upon us, a life where we can live out that hope to all that we encounter. I want to thank you um, for listening to Northtown KC's first Advent Week sermon. I'd like to invite you all if you're in the KC era to attend our second Advent Week service Sunday, December 8th at 4 p.m. at my house uh, since we are a house church. You can find our, uh, more info about that at Northtownchurchkc.org. Once again, you can find more uh, information about us as a church and our Advent services at our website Northtownchurchkc.org. Thank you and be blessed this Christmas season.